1: Hey, everyone. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm Zach Wolf, a senior writer here at CNN and the publisher of the Impeachment Watch newsletter. Please go to CNN.com slash impeachment. That's where we update throughout the day with all the latest news and analysis. And it's also where you can sign up for that newsletter I write every day. We put a lot of work into that. It will make you much smarter, I hope. I've got two colleagues on the podcast today, but I want to set the scene a little bit. Right now, senators are submitting questions to Chief Justice John Roberts, who reads them aloud, completely deadpan. It's kind of a weird scene. The lawyers then have five minutes to answer each question. John Bolton has been the subject of several questions so far. That's not a surprise. Bolton was also on the president's mind this morning. He sent out a bunch of tweets attacking his former national security advisor. He dismissed Bolton as someone who, quote, begged. Unquote. Begged him for a job. Uh, and also, he said, if I listen to him, we would be in World War Six by now. The president added that Bolton, quote, goes out and immediately writes a nasty and untrue book, all classified national security. Who would do this? end quote. It is really hard to read a Trump tweet uh, out loud sometimes. Uh, they Just grammatically, it's very strange. Uh, I'll discuss this and much more with our two fantastic guests. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with CNN legal analyst Michael Zeldin. But first, I've got my colleague Lauren Fox on the phone. She's a congressional reporter and she's at the Capitol right now. Lauren, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So you're up there in this uh, crazy scene right now uh, as we record this, this Uh, first of two days of eight hours of questions uh, for the two opposing councils is going on. But really, I think what people are most interested in at the moment is whether Democrats will find a fourth Republican to join them in calling for witnesses uh, after this question and answer session is over. What is the latest on that? And will they get a fourth vote?
2: Well, I think it's not just Democrats who are interested in that. I think the entire press corps would tell you that that is our most pressing question up here. Obviously, when you talk to senators who you think might be on the fence, basically what you hear from them is, look, we have two days of questioning ahead of us. We are not going to make any comments until that questioning is over until we've heard both the arguments and we have heard now this opportunity for each side to respond to any outstanding questions we will have. Now, I'll tell you, I think it was pretty revealing that the first question came from Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and Mitt Romney, a joint question essentially to the president's team discussing double motives. I think that that was a sign that those three are really in the same camp now,
1: that also that was insane. a that was a remarkable moment, by the way, and yes. I kind of caught my breath when you heard those three names, and you were waiting to hear what the question was, and whether it was directly going to, uh, you know, be about witnesses. It was not uh, about witnesses. It was not, but still.
2: And I I think it was significant that Lamar Alexander, who is another member who we've been watching really closely, wasn't included on that question. It was the three of them. Also, important context of the day is the fact that Lisa Murkowski was in Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's office this morning. So that gives us a sense that behind the scenes, there's obviously a lot of work that's happening between leadership to try to convince one of those moderates, maybe Lisa Murkowski, not to vote for witnesses. Now, at the end of the day, it takes four Republicans. Right now, even if Lisa Murkowski voted for witnesses, that would only be three with Susan Collins and Mitt Romney, who have certainly signaled that they're moving more in that direction. But I will tell you that Democrats are looking very closely at their colleagues and who might fold or at least cross the aisle with them. And I'll tell you, that there's not a whole lot of spare time up here for Democrats to be talking to their colleagues. It's not that they can. It's not that they aren't. But every time I've talked to members, they, they sort of argue, when would we have the time to sit down in a bipartisan way and actually try to come to some consensus about how to move forward here?
1: There was a poll out. It was either this morning or yesterday that said essentially 75 percent of Americans want to see witnesses. And I think that's interesting, but it also didn't say specifically John Bolton. It didn't say the witnesses that Democrats want. Um... And that means that there's a universe of people out there, Republicans among them, who want somebody like Hunter Biden to testify. And as we get closer to John Bolton, I think you might have Republicans who say, fine, we'll vote for Bolton to testify if we get Hunter Biden to testify. Do you envision a scenario where it's actually Democrats who are killing the idea of witnesses to protect Joe Biden?
2: Well, I don't know if I envision that scenario specifically. I think we should remember what the first vote is. And in the resolution, it specifies that the question will be whether senators want or are ready to hear from witnesses or obtain more documentation. That is the vote that we're watching very closely. It's significant that there are not specific names in the resolution. It doesn't say Hunter Biden. It doesn't say John Bolton. It simply says, are we ready for witnesses? And I will tell you behind closed doors, the The argument that McConnell has been making to his conference is that you don't know where this goes if you vote for witnesses, because there aren't names specified here. There's not an agreement that's baked in that we know which direction this trial moves if we start going into this Wild West scenario of witnesses. And that has been, I think, a little nerve wracking for some Democrats. For some Republicans, excuse me, who are up for re election in 2020, so much so that yesterday in that closed door lunch, a couple of them stood up and made that case. Senator Joni Ernst said, you know, essentially, it's time to move on from this. A lot of voters back home aren't interested in impeachment anymore. They want to see us doing things, whether that's USMCA or, or other things that we can move forward with. That's what the American people are more interested in. I'm also told uh, that Martha McSally got up and spoke about that. And I think that that's something that McConnell has really leaned into. We hear a lot about Susan Collins, who's up for re election in 2020. But what we don't talk about is Gardner, Tillis, McSally, Ernst. Those people are up for re election too. And they obviously have an interest in moving on from this trial because what they're hearing from voters back home is can you do something that actually matters to me? And they can't break with Trump because if they do, they risk alienating the president, making him upset. That doesn't help them back home, because as much as a lot of Democrats want to see witnesses, the reality is Democrats aren't going to be voting for Cory Gardner in Colorado. He has to turn out every single Republican he can in the state. And he can't alienate any of them by trying to break with Trump on something as big as the president's impeachment trial in the Senate
1: okay Lauren Fox you mentioned the USmCA there that was signed into law today so there is some small amount of uh, stuff getting getting uh, done here in Washington as this uh, impeachment takes over takes over the nation's capital but thanks for that on the scene uh, report from you uh, keep keep it up and and we can't wait to hear from from you again
2: thank you I appreciate it
1: You know, she mentioned um, Corey Gardner there. She mentioned Martha McSally. These are people like Susan Collins who are endangered Republican senators, but they have made a very different calculation uh, than Susan Collins, who is uh, Susan Collins is very moderate. She appeals to the moderates, uh, people down the middle, people who kind of float between the two parties, whereas Corey Gardner, Martha McSally, uh, these are people who are sort of doubling down on the Trump base. It's interesting to see how different senators who are sort of Equally in jeopardy, uh, do different things to deal with that jeopardy. It's also interesting to see how lawyers take the same set of facts and twist them in very different ways, and that's what we've been seeing uh, today at the at the Senate trial and and yesterday. And I'm glad, so glad that we have Michael Zeldin here. He's a CNN legal analyst, and he can talk specifically about. Um, Alan Dershowitz, who I think has emerged as one of the more interesting characters of this impeachment trial. He, if, if you talk to some of these Republican senators, as, as a lot of our, our friends here at CNN have done, they have pointed to his arguments the other night as sort of giving them cover to oppose witnesses because he attacked the very idea that a president can do essentially anything to abuse power. That's kind of what I got from the Dershowitz arguments. Michael, disagree with me, if you will. It seemed like he essentially said it's impossible for a sitting president to abuse power. Did I get that wrong? That's what I've heard. And Dershowitz's
3: opinion is evolving as the trial unfolds, remember, uh, the 61-year-old Alan Dershowitz said, "You do not need a crime for there to be impeachable offense." That was in the context of the Clinton impeachment. Today he says, you need crime-like behavior, and now he seems to have evolved to the Richard Nixon standard of, "If the president does it, it can't be illegal." All of
1: his positions. say that again. That is a remarkable idea the Richard Nixon idea that Dershowitz has essentially put forward. Right.
3: Richard Nixon famously said, if the president does it, it can't be illegal. And that notion, I think, was roundly rejected at the time and should be roundly rejected now. The president is not a king. He is accountable to the laws of the United States. He can act outside of the interests of the United States for personal benefit in such a way that he could be charged with a crime upon leaving office or impeached while in office. So the Dershowitz argument, I think, is an outlier among most criminal um, and constitutional
1: scholars, and it is what it is. He had a a riff on it today, and I want to play this piece of sound because I thought it was really interesting. What I took from his argument today is essentially that a president who is facing re-election can't separate it is impossible to separate a president from who is facing re-election their personal interests from their political interests or at least that's what i heard take a listen to what he actually said every public official that i know believes that his election is in the public interest
3: and mostly you're right your election is in the public interest and if a president does something which he believes will help him get elected in the public interest, that cannot be the kind of quid pro quo that results in impeachment.
1: So what I hear there is essentially if the president is trying to get reelected and politicians getting elected is in the public interest, it's impossible for him to do anything while getting reelected that could get him impeached. Is that, is that right? Is, is that it? That seems to be what he's saying, but to me, it makes no sense.
3: By extension, under Dershowitz's line of analysis, if I, as a candidate for president, or I, as president seeking re-election, determine that it is in my re-election interests for me to have my opponent killed or illegally investigated by the FBI or the IRS or whatever, that that in and of itself, because it's in the national interests of a reelection, cannot rise to the level of a crime or an impeachable offense. It makes no sense to me. I don't know from where he derives this analysis, because it's not constitutional. It doesn't seem to be criminally, um, uh, criminal law founded. It
1: just seems a bit to be freelancing. Talk a little bit more. We've been watching the uh, the the trial Q and A today. You were sort of impressed by one of the the president's attorneys. why? what 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 did you like about Mr. Philbin? So let me just say at the outset that I think that counsel
3: on both sides have been terrific. I, I really do think that they've represented their clients' interests very ably. The ones who stand out for me are Pat Philbin on the Trump team side and Adam Schiff on the House side. I'm just impressed by their encyclopedic knowledge of the underlying facts. The the record before them is enormous and they seem to with alacrity move from one point to another point and they're both very well spoken, very calm in their demeanor and very therefore easy to hear. Some of the other ones seem to be reading answers and you sort of want them to say, you want to say to them, sort of like, slow down, or can you give me the paper that I can read myself? But whereas these guys are good orders, very impressive.
1: Yeah. And Schiff, you know, he, he, he also had that soaring rhetoric uh, earlier in the trial that I thought was really good. I, I, I like Hakeem Jeffries. I, I have particularly enjoyed some of his his presentations, have been really good. Okay. I want to thank Michael Zeldin and Lauren Fox for appearing on the podcast today. As always, we'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. I strongly encourage everyone to go to slash impeachment to keep up with all the latest developments. That site updates 24 hours a day. It's also where you can sign up for the Impeachment Watch newsletter that I write. And remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. Go there. Sign up. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow.